Um, Kate and I, you probably know, because most of you know more about my life than I do via Facebook. But we, <laughs> sorry, it's the only one. We, um, we, were, we were blessed enough to go away uh, together with no children last week um, to have some time away. And we, we, we traveled a long way and it was a long flight. Uh, and when we got there, we were, we were tired or I was tired. Um, Kate was just happy to be there. But I was tired. I was hungry, um, as I usually tend to be. And, um, and I wasn't really content. I wasn't content with the fact that we'd managed to get on a holiday together. I wasn't content that there was no children to think about, that we could just do what we wanted. That, that wasn't enough. I was hungry, and I was tired, and I wanted to sleep, but also wanted to, to eat. And so my long-suffering wife said, right, okay, let's go and get something to eat. So we went outside. We left the hotel, um, and we went next door where there was a KFC. Praise God. There was a KFC, but it was shut. So we went next door to Pizza Hut. I thought, praise God again, but that was shut. But rather than take the message, we kept looking. We kept looking, and across the parking lot was, um, was this diner called Steak and Bake. Um, this was in America. But, you know, I'm thinking, surely not. Am I going to have to miss out on a meal, Lord? You know, all these good things you're doing for me, but don't make me miss out on a meal. I was hungry. Anyway, we, we step inside uh, Steak and Shake, um, and thinking, you know, the Holy Grail, this is it. There's some food, there's some milkshakes. This is going to be good. And then the floors are a bit sticky. And it reminded me of being in a nightclub. And I started to think this isn't good. And then Kate sat down at the table and her arm stuck to the table. And we're like, oh, no, this is really not, not great. Everything was a little bit sticky. Anyway, we, we, I stepped up to one of these digital kind of ordering points. You know, one of the ones because I don't want you to talk to anybody. So we went up to one of those. And I, I was starting to order. And I just heard this guy next to me. There was this family... And um, I assume it's his daughter, said to him, are you not upset? Does it not bother you? And this guy just turned around and he said, no. He said, because the joy I have, the world can't give me and it can't take it away. And I was just kind of dumbstruck. I was like, that's so profound. That's so true. But the, what really struck me in my tiredness as I was stood there was that how naturally it came out of this guy. This wasn't a Christian platitude. This wasn't something he'd rehearsed. That was his response. He just seemed content. And it had such a, an effect on me. Because if, if you know me well, you'll know that I'm a glass half empty kind of guy. I'm, a, I'm one of these guys that you'll always hear say, if only, or yeah, I bet. I can be quite cynical, and it's something I'm working on, but I, I can, be quite, can be quite cynical. And yet I've just seen someone, I've been with someone that, that had, I felt had just been the way God wants me to be, and perhaps wants us to be, and that's content no matter what the circumstances. He was saying to his daughter, it doesn't matter what life throws at me, the joy God gives me is enough. And it what happens, I'm happy, I'm content, and guess what? The world can't take it away. It just, it just struck me as, as we came to this, this message on, on desire. It's about desires and what we, we do with them. And the, the passage I'm reading from tonight is entitled, Submit Yourselves to God. And similarly, this morning, we, we heard from Jeff about our thought process, about thoughts and what that does with our walk with God and the impact that can have on us. And tonight, we'll look a little bit about desires and, and what we do with those and how we can change those by submitting ourselves to God. So I'm just going to read this passage to us. If you've got your Bibles, it's James 4, and it's verses 1 to 12. And this is what it says. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. 
You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister, or judges them, speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Some tough language in that passage, but James asks us two sets of questions, really. Two sets of questions, and then he proceeds to unpack those questions, almost to, to answer them. And then the passage we're looking at tonight finishes with uh, some instructions and an explanation. That's kind of what James does. The book of James is full of Proverbs. It's full of wisdom from the Old Testament. Um, it's full of instructions on Christian living and some of the teaching that, that Jesus gave on the Sermon on the Mount. So we should be no surprise that there are plenty of instructions in here. But all, all three parts of this, all three little sections that we're going to look at, um, all fall under this one instruction, which I said you'll probably see at the, the top of the passage, submit yourselves to God. And we'll see that if you want to live a content life, if you want to leave, live a good Christian life, free from strife and jealousy and, and bitterness, we need to submit ourselves to God. Now, when we submit, it, it means to give in to the will and authority of somebody else. But the the word submit, even in our culture, is a word that we don't like. People don't like submit, to, to give in to somebody, to give over to somebody. Even when we talk about submission and submissive, it even has darker overtones. But what James here is compelling us to do is to submit to the will and authority of God. And why? Because we see here, right in the middle of the passage, a, a quote from Proverbs, funnily enough, um, chapter 3. It says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. And that's why we submit to God. We do that in humility, and he will pour out his favor and his grace upon us. So if we look at these, these first three verses again of, of chapter 4, 1 to 3, read them again. What causes fights and quarrels among you? So although it's a question, that poses that there are fights and quarrels. So what causes them? There are fights and quarrels, but what causes them? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? So James is clearly saying there are desires within you and they cause you to battle and they cause you to fight. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Have you ever thought why prisons are so full? 
You hear on the news about overcrowding, whether it's here, whether it's in America, South America, wherever really in the world, prisons are full and they're bursting at the seams. People just can't keep the rules. They just can't do it. And what causes them to break the rules? Because there's a desire in their heart for something else. There is a desire for something more. Whether that's good, whether it's bad, there's a desire that drives them to do it. Perhaps they need more money. Perhaps they just need one more robbery. Perhaps they just like the risk. Perhaps they can't control the desire that has been put within them. But it comes to the point where they, they can't stop it. That desire just drives them to its end. They're discontent. They are not content with what they have. But without God, we cannot be fully content. Without God in our lives and submitting to him, we can never be fully content. If we listen to our desires, they can lead us the same way. If we follow our desires to the end, they can lead us to a place where we don't want to be. Perhaps not prison, perhaps not criminality, but they can lead us to a place where we don't want to be. We can be lonely, where perhaps we don't really want to tell anyone. But it certainly takes us away from God. When we have secrets, when we have desires that take us down a path we don't want to go, it takes us away from God. And it ends up pitting us against each other because we're cagey, we're on edge, we're empty, we, we want something. Husbands and wives, friends, parents, children, colleagues, you name it, we'll, we'll end up fighting one another, as James says, because of these desires within us. You see, when we give our desires a voice, when we listen to them, we realize that we're, we're empty, well, we're certainly not full. If there is a desire for something you don't have, that means you're not complete. You want something that you think will complete you. You think it will make you happy. So when we give our desires a voice and we listen to them, we feel empty inside. If we don't have what we want, or we may even have what we want, but we don't have enough of it. And if I just get a bit more, then I'll be satisfied. If I just get a bit more, then I'll be okay. I'll be content. And we'll do whatever sometimes. We'll do whatever it takes to get it, whatever it takes to fill the emptiness, sometimes fighting others, killing, quarreling, fighting. If you follow it to the end, it gets quite extreme if we chase what it is that we think we really want. James says we don't have what we, don't have what we need because we don't ask God. In other words, we're listening to our own desires and wants rather than asking God for what he has for us. This is this whole submitting to God. God, what do, you, what do you want for me? What have you got for me? What is it you would have me do? How do you want me to live my life? What's the best way to go? You know, we try to be fulfilled by other means, by other things around us, sometimes by other people, when only God can truly fulfill us. But James goes on to say that even when we do ask God, even when we do ask God for things, that we ask because we're asking the wrong motives. We ask for the wrong things or with the wrong attitude. We think we're asking for the right thing. You know, if, if, only, I had a, <clears throat> if only I had a bit more money, God, I'd, I'd perhaps have a bit more time and then perhaps I could evangelize more for you. Or if, I, if only I were as clever as that person. Or if only I have as many friends as that person. Or maybe if I was as beautiful as that person. Or, or maybe if I just had, you know, a, a bigger house, I could host more. And you, you, we think they're honorable things and they kind of are. But we are asking in the wrong kind of motives. We're not asking, God, what do you want for me? What do you want for me? What do you want me to do with what you have given me right now? It doesn't mean we don't ask for more. It doesn't mean we don't do that. But what's the motive? How are we and what are we asking for? 
If we're honest, does anybody feel like they're, they're praying to God and suddenly it feels like they've just come with a great big list of stuff? I know I do sometimes. Sometimes when I'm praying, I have to check myself. And I have to stop and I have to say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm coming to you because you love me. I'm coming to you because you're my saviour and you're the answer. You're the answer. You're not just here to answer my needs. And, and I, th- I think we can all do that sometimes. But God does tell us to come with all kinds of petitions and requests. But let's be mindful of how and who we're asking. You know, sometimes we go asking for stuff. James talks about it to fulfill our pleasures and our passions. And if we're really honest, sometimes it is about that. We ask for selfish desires. We ask for things that we think will fulfill us. We sometimes end up deal-making. Has anyone ever done that? God, if, if I do that, or sorry, if you do that for me, I promise I will do that. If you give me this, I promise you, I will do that. What's the problem with that? We're rubbish at keeping promises. We're terrible at keeping promises, and we can't do it. But the good news is God will give us grace. He gives us anyway. He gives of himself. He has already given us more than we deserve. But we do tend to make deals. And we'll look at some premises and promises later on. The good news is God does deliver on his promises. God does give us premises. He says to us, if you do this, I will do that. And when we do, God promises and he follows through. You know, relationship with God is ultimately what fulfills us. If you don't know God tonight, then you'll have a chance later to get to know him. Because without God in your life, you cannot be complete. You will not feel complete. And whatever it is you chase, whatever it is you pursue, whatever desire it is in your heart to go after, whatever it is you think makes you complete or makes you happy, it won't do it. But knowing God will. So let me go into the second group of verses, verses 4 to 6. And uh, there's a the second question, and it is there's a rhetorical one here as well. It starts off with, you adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Don't you know? You can rephrase that. What James is saying is, surely you know. You do know, don't you, that being friends with the world, loving the world, puts you in enmity against God. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That, that is what the scripture said. God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. So here we are. There's some serious, almost brutal language here that James describes Christians that, that don't submit to God. That don't put themselves or don't put God first in their lives. It is quite harsh. Adulterous. Enmity. With God, enemy of God. James uses these words to make us evaluate our life, to make us kind of step back a bit from the word and think, what, what is going on? I'm not, I'm not adulterous. I'm not an enemy of God, surely. I'm sure we're not. But he said you, we are in danger of if we do not submit to God. So he uses the word adulterous because adultery means a relationship with somebody outside of marriage. So if you're, you're in marriage and you've done your wedding vows you commit to that person for life till death do us part I give you everything I have in exchange for everything you have it's me and you all the way to the end but then you start a relationship with somebody else that's adultery so how does this fit in with what we read here why has James used that because if you know God you're in a relationship with him 
He is our father and we are his children and he loves us. He is our savior. He is the lover of our souls. And that has to be our first relationship. That has to be the most important relationship above all others. But what he's saying is if you don't submit to God, if you love other things, if you love the world, and if you love what the world can give you, if your eye is drawn to those things and you're desperate for those things, you're an adulterer towards God. God wants us to love him. He wants us to submit to him. He wants to be number one, not because he's proud, but because he knows what's best for us and he loves us. So it's that wrong type of relationship. God needs to be number one. But encouragingly, he says, you know, say adulterer. So that, that sounds harsh. You know, and I, so I'm an enemy of the God, enemy of God if I love what the world has to offer. Well, yes, but what, what God says is, what James goes on to say about God is, is, don't you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? God is a jealous God. Now, we have negative connotations to the word jealousy. But God is a, he covets you and me. He is jealous for you and me. He loved you that much that he sent his son to die for you. That's how much he loves you. You are the apple of his eye. There is nothing you can do to stop him from loving you. He loves you absolutely desperate. And he is desperate for you. He doesn't want you to fall in love with the things of the world because he wants you to fall in love with him. He wants you to love him and he wants you to have that relationship with him where you feel so secure and so complete that nothing else matters. That you can have a joy that the world can't give you and the world can't take away. That contentment only comes from God and only comes when we submit to him. See, rather than realizing that we can have him, we still go after what he can give us. I'm still after what you can give me, God. I'm not willing to submit everything I have to you, but I would love some of the things that you could give to me. He wants us to be in good relationship with him. Matthew 6 talks about the two masters. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one or love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And for money, you can read stuff. You can read people. You can read possessions. You can read anything that that replaces God, anything that rivals God. We cannot love them both. We can love God and have other things, but we can't love God and love other things. It's okay to have stuff. It's okay to ask for things. It's okay to have clothes. It's okay to have possessions. None of that is a problem. But how much do you love them compared to God? That's what he's saying here. Do we love God more than anything else? You know, we are in the world, but we're not called to be of the world. We are in the world to be the salt of the earth. We're in the world to be the light of the world, to show people the light of the world, to be salt and light in the world, but we are not to love the world. This is not, we're not talking the 1980s Christianity where we grew up and you couldn't go to the cinema and you couldn't go in town and if you smoked you were going to go to hell. If you get a tattoo it's even, I mean don't do that anyway. But it's, you know, this is bad. Don't do any of this stuff. Don't do any of this fun stuff because this is not good for you. That's not, what we're, that's not what we're talking about here. It's falling in love with what the world can give you. And it displaces the love you have for God. And this isn't God plus. Love God. Well, actually, <laughs> who has it said you can love God and do what you want? That's the answer. Love God truly and then go and do what you want. Because if you love God truly and you fall in love with God, your, your desire system, your whole what you want changes. Everything changes so love God and do what you want but what, what we're saying is not this 
this list of things that you cannot do. What it's saying is don't let them usurp God. Don't let them distract you from your love of God. You know, again, in Matthew 6, it says, don't worry. Saying, what should we eat? What should we drink? Or what should we wear? For the, the pagans, everybody runs after these things. Everybody needs them. But your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He will supply your needs. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. Seek God first, and he will look after your needs. And if you seek God first, believe me, your desires will change. If I look back 20 years to what used to make me happy, I kind of recoil in horror. I look at what God has done in my life and what I love now. I was telling Jeff, I said, at 6 o'clock in the morning, you think, well, what surprise, you're a pastor. But I've fallen in love again with the Bible. I'm up at 6 o'clock in the morning reading the Bible, and I'm thinking, I love this. I absolutely love this. And my whole desire system is changing. I don't love what I used to do, but I love what God gives me. James says, don't be double-minded. We can't live in two worlds. We can't love God on a Sunday and then do what we want Monday to Saturday. We can't do that. God doesn't like that. He doesn't like lukewarm. You can't flip between one and the other. He'd rather you were cold than lukewarm. He'd rather you walked away than lukewarm. It's one or the other. You love God or you don't. He says, I want you to love me. But you know, the good news in all this is that God is full of grace. And he continues to pour out his grace. And it's never too late. If you say it tonight thinking, oh my goodness, this is, this is doom and gloom. What have I done? I need to think about my desires. Just remember that God is full of grace. He's full of love. He's full of grace. And he calls us to him. And it says that he shows favor to the humble. See, the proud, when he says God opposes the proud, the proud are self-seeking. People are proud are those that love Frank Sinatra. They sing, I did it my way. I did it my way. I do everything my way. I know best. I know what's good for me. I can do it. I don't need anybody. I don't need God's help. Those are proud. Those people are proud. But he says he shows favor to the humble. What's the difference? The humble are those that are God-seeking. The humble are those that are God-first. It's about you, God. It's all about you. That's what it means to be humble, submitting to God. God, it's about you. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to live my life? What gifts do you want to give me but for your glory? Not for me, not for my benefit, but for your glory is to be humble. So we move on to these, this last set of, kind of, well not last, but set of instructions. Verses 7 to 10. This is the crux. It says, submit yourselves then to God. This is how we be humble. It tells us to be humble, but how? How are we humble? Submit yourselves then to God. Then we love this verse. These are the premises and the promises. Do this, and God will do that. Resist the devil. We can do that when we submit ourselves to God. If we don't submit ourselves to God, and we try and resist the devil, he will laugh in our face. He will. You need to submit yourselves to God. You need to be in love with God. And the devil will know whether you are in love with God or not. We need to submit ourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you then. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. That's not a wash your hands, you sinners. That's not one of those. It's not. And purify your hearts, you're double-minded. He's saying stop. Stop what you're doing. Stop this love of the world. Stop loving things and stuff and return to me. Because he goes on to say grieve Mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. That sounds odd, but what he's saying is stop loving the things of the world. Stop loving those things. Stop laughing about those things. Stop being joyous about those things and being joyous about me. Come back to me. And it goes on to say again, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. That's the promise. Submit to God 
Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. He will give you your heart's desire. He will make you feel full. He will make you feel complete. He will make you feel like you don't need anything else. And you will keep coming back to him to be topped up with what you need. He calls us to submit to him rather demand from him. We're told to resist the devil. Who knows that the, the devil doesn't burst in through your front door and then whack you over, a, over the head with a bag marked sin. He just doesn't do that because the devil is subtle. He is subtle. He will come and, and he will whisper in your ear. Yeah, go and watch that program again. Go and meet that person again. Go and, go and spend that money again. Go and just have another little gamble again. Just click on that website again. Just, just You know what it is that makes you happy. And that's what he does. And that's what pulls us away from God. But if we submit ourselves to God and know that God loves us and he fills us up, when the devil comes and whispers, we recognize it and we know it and say, get thee behind me, Satan. I'm not interested because I'm submitted to God and I love him. Then we have a last, because time's going on, we have a last set of instructions to us. This says, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge. Guess who that is? The one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? What James is saying here is, is quit the fighting. Stop fighting with one another. These desires that, that you think, you know, I'm right, or these desires that I want more than them. Why can't I have what they've got? Why can't I be like them? The jealousy, the, the coveting other people's possessions and perhaps their lifestyle. Stop the fighting and don't judge. Have you noticed when you're judging other people, your eyes are off God and they're off yourself? They're in the worst possible place because they're not on God and they're not on you. So don't judge other people. Stop judging. You know, this, this phrase, this, this whole set of instructions basically says, who do you think you are? There's one judge and one lawmaker. If you judge other people, you're putting yourself on parity with God. That's not submitting to God. That's not submitting to his ways and what he has for you. It's trying to make yourself feel better. It's trying to fulfill those desires by, by looking at other people and thinking, well, I'm not that bad. At least, at least I'm better than they are. That judging doesn't work. And again, it doesn't fulfill. So this is telling us to quit the horizontal looking and get back to the vertical seeking. Stop looking in this direction and get back to looking in this direction. And submitting to God and what he will have for us. So in summary, think about our desires. And they can be subtle. So we think, you know what, I come to church every Sunday. I've got it together. I worship God. I read my Bible every day. I am submitted to God. And that is wonderful. And that's where we want to be. But the devil doesn't give up. He doesn't give up. And he'll do whatever he can. He is sneaky. He is really sneaky. He's really subtle and he will whisper in your ear. He will distract you. He will tempt you. And that's why we need to be submitted to God. That's why we need to be in that place of submission to God because he will just slowly, slowly, slowly pull you away from where you need to be. So our, our instructions tonight are submit ourselves to God. Be humble. Don't be proud. Don't do it our way. Do it God's way. Listen to God. Because when we do, when we humble ourselves to God, he pours out his grace and his favor upon us and what does that do 
we stop fighting. When our desire is for God and not for anything else, it doesn't mean don't desire other things. It doesn't mean don't want other things. Don't go on holiday. Don't buy that new car. Don't go shopping. It's not saying that. It's saying desire God first and foremost. Love him above everything else. Get that one desire right. And everything else, as he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. All these things will line up. We won't be fighting with one another. We won't be jealous of one another because God will be our first love. So maybe you're thinking tonight, you know, a bit bashed, I don't know. Maybe you're thinking, I've got this all wrong. I've got this all wrong, I'm, I'm not doing it right. You know, I've chased after so many things that don't give me what I need. I'm still thinking about what I'm going to get tomorrow. I'm still thinking about what I'm going to do this week to, to make me feel happy. Maybe you're thinking about what those desires might be. Maybe it is that the, the devil, maybe the enemy has been subtly tempting you to want other things. You know, and you, you've drifted from God. You're just not as close to God as, as you used to be. You used to consider yourself submitted to God. You used to consider yourself all in for God. But lately you've felt yourself drifting because you kind of fall in love with, the, with other things. He's not your first love anymore. He's not your passion. He's not the thing that fulfills you. We can get back to that tonight. You can get back to that tonight by submitting to God. One thing I wrote down again and again here is it's never too late. Verse 6 in our passage said, he gives us more grace. His grace never stops flowing. Wherever you are tonight, whatever you're feeling tonight, whatever the desires of your heart are tonight, God is willing to drown you in grace. He wants to drown you in mercy and love and grace tonight. You know, perhaps it's the first time you've even thought about this tonight. Perhaps you know about God. Perhaps you've heard about Jesus. You've heard about the things he's done. But do you really know him? Could you say here tonight, I know him. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He knows me and I know him. I talk to him, I pray to him, and I hear from him and I love him. But I'm going to give you a chance to put that right tonight as well. You know, as I said, maybe you've wandered off course and it's time to come back, to resubmit to God tonight. Ask him to fill you, to make you content, to make you whole, to fill that hole in your heart that your desire will be for him first and foremost. You know, when we pray, it isn't just asking for stuff from God. It's asking for more of God. We want more of God. That is submitting to God. It's wanting more of him in our lives. He gives us what we need. He knows what's best. And he has what fills the hole. So I'm going to pray for us now. I'm going to ask the band to come up. We're going to sing a couple of songs in response. And I just want to ask you tonight, if you... Perhaps it's the first time. Perhaps you've, you've been on the edges, you're on the periphery, and, and like I say, you've heard about Jesus. You've heard about who he is. You've heard about what he's done. And you like it. You like that, and you're in agreement with it all, but you don't quite, don't quite know what this relationship thing is. Then I would love to pray for you, as would others this evening. And perhaps, perhaps you've wandered a bit. Perhaps your relationship has changed a bit with God because... You've fallen in love with some other things or you're spending your time with some other things and you want to get back to God. There's nothing magical about coming and standing at the front, but I really do believe there's something about even if you just take a step forward, you say to God, I'm coming back. I'm coming home. I want, I want to submit to you. Or perhaps for the first time, you're going to say, I love you, God. I love everything about you and I want you more. I want you in my life. So I'm going to pray for us. And, uh, and if you want to respond as, as we worship, 
then I invite you to, to come forward and I would love to pray with you. And there are others that would love to pray with you too. Lord, I ask, Lord, tonight for, for those of us, all of us, Lord, who we all have desires, Lord. We all have the desires of our heart. There are all things we love on this world. We love in this world. And Lord, I'm not asking for those desires to change. What I'm asking is the desire for you to grow bigger. I'm asking, Lord, that you would put a desire in our heart for you that is so strong, Lord, that it pulls us home to you, that we would submit to you, that we would get you to fill us up, that we wouldn't try and fill up anywhere else. We wouldn't fill up at the bookies or the, or the pub or the shopping mall or, or with another person or with a new anything, but that we would come back to you, Lord, and that you would fill us up. You would make us content. You would give us what the world can't give us. And can't take away. You would give us that joy, that peace that is everlasting. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord, that we can always come back to you. And you, like that father of the prodigal son, have arms open wide just waiting for us to come to you. And so, Lord, I ask that you would speak to anyone that doesn't know you tonight, Lord. And just speak into their heart right now. Just give them that tug, that pull that says, I love you and I want you. I pray that you'll speak to them right now. And I pray, Lord, that you'll speak to those of us that our desires have gone a bit awry. They've gone a bit astray. They may have drifted a bit and we're a bit off true north. We've, we've come away from the direction we used to be in and we want to come back. Lord, I pray that you would call on those too. But if that's you tonight, if, it's, if you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never said to Jesus, I want you to be my Lord, I want to follow you, then, then say this prayer in your heart and just say these words after me. Lord God, I'm sorry for the things that I've done wrong in my life. I'm sorry for the things that I haven't done and I should have. And I'm sorry for ignoring you. Lord, thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross for me. Thank you that you pour out grace upon me and you are ready to forgive all my sins. And Lord, please come into my heart. I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you, and I want to follow you. Amen. If that's you tonight, I'd love you to come forward. I'd love you to make yourself known, and we want to pray with you and talk with you more. But as we sing now, I want to open this up to anybody that wants to just put something right with God. It could be you've just wandered off. It might not even be a desire. It may be just you're not as close as you once were, and you want to step forward and say, God, I'm all in. I want to submit to you, Lord. I want to follow you. I want to live my life the way you would have me live it. I want all you've got for me. I want to follow this plan that you have for me. And I want to walk in the gifts that you have for me. Perhaps it's gone a bit cold. And it's time to warm things up again. It's time to step back in and heat up and allow God to be the one that fills your heart.